to Destiny comes a new podcast. Three guardians who will guide you to glory, honor, and... Yeah, nah. Not that kind of podcast. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things Destiny. Why we play. Why we love punching aliens in the face. And why my dad sucks at the Crucible. Here we go. A podcast for players of all levels. Find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First round's on us. Hey everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we're the hosts of the podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture. We try to have a female perspective on things, but we really just talk about anything we like. What are some recent topics we've done, Katie? Uh, Well, we've talked about girl power songs, Wonder Woman, Veronica Mars, young adult fiction novels, San Diego Comic Con, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and start listening today. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 93 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by my friend, Void, from the geek to geek podcast. How you doing, Void? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me again. This is always fun. Yeah, I always love having you on the show, because um, we don't get to talk that much in, in real life, and I feel like this gives us a chance to kind of get all the geekiness out. <laughs> yeah, we chat on in our Twitter group message, and besides that, it's like the challenge for me is always scheduling, just because like, I work full-time, I have a wife, I have two kids, they're in school, like things just get nuts. So it's always good when we can like find a time that works. Well, and also, two, two time zones does, shouldn't make a big difference, but it really does. It does. It can make a huge difference. It's two-hour shift, but sometimes that's all it takes to kind of throw off scheduling. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first time that we talked to you, and if anybody wants to hear your full range of geekiness, uh, was on episode 38, and we also talked a little bit to you on 73 when we covered uh, the Nintendo Switch, but what have you been up to the last 20 episodes or so? <laughs> Um, probably a lot, but I guess the most recent stuff in the last, like, week or two, um, I was doing a little bit of catch-up on movies, like, I just watched Wonder Woman, finally. Nice. Um, and I, I liked it, it was, it kind of abused slow motion more than I thought it was going to, but I'm sure (laughs) that's a little bit of the Zack Snyder influence on the whole DC, you know, all that stuff. But outside of that, I liked it. I I think it's probably the most solid of, like, the new DC things that they've done after the Nolan Batman stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I still, there's still room for improvement in all of that, but at least, like, that one shows promise, whereas I I don't see myself ever rewatching something like Batman versus Superman, you know? God, no. God, no. 
Yeah, that one was brutal. And I see, I didn't see that one in theaters. I waited it and I watched like the full extended edition because it was supposed to be slightly oh, better. No. And that was probably <laughs> a bad call on my part. Yeah. Because it's just longer bad. <laughs> I know. People told me that after. And I was like, I don't know where I got this information, but obviously it was wrong. Um, but <laughs> outside of that, um, I, I just watched this really cool documentary that the guys from Shut Up and Sit Down did. Do you know them at all? I don't. Okay, so they cover board games. And it's they're probably like my favorite source for board game information. Um, they've mm-hmm. kind of been like up and coming over the last, I don't know, five-ish years. Like they kind of grew alongside the modern resurgence of board games. And they're really good at what they do. And they're funny. And they do like honest reviews. But they're always entertaining. And this was their first stab at like trying a documentary. So they did a documentary on the Twilight Imperium 4th edition. And they got to like get in the room for a bunch of the key meetings over the course of like two or three years and actually kind of see where it was in development at different times and how it changed over the course of everything. So it's a really cool look like behind the scenes at board game development, which I'd never really seen before. That's really interesting. And and it's a little timely because yesterday I had to um, chaperone a debate tournament for my kids. I was stepping in for the debate teacher because she's going to help me out with some drama stuff. And so I go into the room with all the other coaches, and I don't know what I'm doing. I was just told, show up, they'll they'll tell you what to do. And this guy, I mean, it's all teachers, and this guy was wearing a Captain America t-shirt, and I had a Captain America t-shirt on, and so we bonded. And, there you go. Um, nice. Yeah, and so he, he was explaining that he was doing a a English exercise based on like a a Dungeons & Dragons character sheet. So we automatically, instantly became friends. It's always and, nice to find another person to like latch onto in situations like that. Yeah, absolutely. I was texting the the uh, debate teacher. You know, yeah, I've I've made a new friend, and she goes, yeah, I figured you two would get along. But anyway, <laughs> he he was talking a lot about board games, and the first one that he was just so excited about was Twilight Imperium. And everything he told me about it, I was like, this sounds like a really really cool game. And the fact that just the very next day <laughs> I'm talking to you about it makes me think that this is something I need to look into. Because although I hear it's like $100 or something like that. Well, Twilight Imperium is ridiculous. Like, I play modern board games, but not as much as some of my friends. And this is one where I don't see myself ever buying it, but I would love to play it once. Because mm-hmm. it, it's literally like, if you're going to play a game and you know what you're doing, it's probably like a six to eight hour play. And if you don't know what you're doing, people have told me if it's your first time playing and there's no one there who's ever played it before, you legitimately have to set aside two days over a weekend to play with a group of people. Like, no, you won't finish it on your first day and you'll have to walk away and come back on day two because it's just ridiculous. So it's it's one of those board games that's been around in like the board game scene for a long time and it's Uh still there and they keep updating it. It's kind of one of Fantasy Flight Games flagship products because it was one of their first products and it was the one that actually like made them successful initially Mm -hmm. in the late 90s. But in terms of scope, it's just huge. And like I talked about, you know, like scheduling is hard for me. So, you know, telling my wife and kids, I'll see you in two days doesn't really work. I don't know when I'm going to be able to play this game, but it's just so fascinating that every time information comes out about Twilight Imperium, I have to look at it. And so this was a really cool look at behind the scenes going from third edition to fourth edition, like all of their thoughts behind it, all these different ways they could have taken it and then where they landed. 
Yeah, that sounds like it would be really a really cool insight into that, because I don't think we always think about the amount of work that goes behind putting together a board game, especially one as detailed as I've heard this is. So yeah, so that's cool. What else What else did you do with your weekly geekery? Um, so I've been reading a bunch of Star Wars books, because all of the stuff that's leading up to The Last Jedi is kind mm-hmm. of starting to come out, and I'm a huge, huge Star Wars fan. So I kind of read every novel that comes out, and then I, I dabble in the other things that come out, like comics and you know whatever else they decide to release alongside things. But I always read the novels. So uh, Leia, which is, I think the full title is like Leia, Princess of Alderaan. It was a really good one, and um, it, it's probably my favorite author writing Star Wars stuff right now, Claudia Gray. She just does fantastic writing, and she knows how to fit it in the world, but actually like make you care about the characters. It doesn't just feel like sci-fi that's been kind of like, you know, pulp, like just get it out there and get it done. Right. Um, and then I've, I'm in the middle of Phasma right now, and it's it's okay. It's not great. It, it's a Star Wars book. Like Most of the Star Wars books, they're not bad, but they're not stellar. You know, they're they're very much like, you know, a B, a B plus, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Phasma feels like that. It's very like middle of the road in terms of Star Wars books. But I have been reading that stuff and I'm getting excited for The Last Jedi. And I can recommend Leia because that was a great read. Are you concerned that they haven't released a, a full trailer yet? Not really. Um, They will. I mean, they'll get there. You know, the marketing cycle is probably just not time yet. I would expect October, November, we'll start seeing the real push. That's what I thought, but I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were like, yeah, it's a little unusual for it to be this late. And I was like, hmm, okay. And then their their, their thought was, well, maybe it's you know it's a Star Wars property. They don't have to do it on the regular time schedule. They can be a little bit later with a full reveal. I don't know. I don't know as much about advertising for films as some other people, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like Star Wars and Marvel kind of feel like exceptions. Like, they can mm-hmm. probably do whatever they want and get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the only other thing that I've really been doing a lot of is playing Destiny 2 because it just came out not that long ago. And it's basically the only game I've been playing for like a week and a half, two weeks now, something like that. Now, how how you you play on the PS4, yeah? Yeah, I'm playing on PS4 right now and I'm planning on picking it up on PC also because I heard fantastic things about that edition of it. So we'll see long term which one of those I land on. I kind of suspect it might be PC because I tend to prefer first person shooters on that platform. But yeah, the the PS4 version has been great and it's been fun and it's it's a really good game. All right, well, you'll have to let me know, because once you do that, maybe I will jump on. Because I've got a lot of friends that play, but they all play on PS4, so I was like, well, I'm not going to go run out and get it, because I have nobody yeah. to play with. <laughs> well, and it's it's interesting, too, because it's like the DNA in Destiny is just straight from Halo. So mm-hmm. it's that same team, you know, that made the first Halo trilogy and Halo Reach, and then they went on to Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. And it's like, I, I've liked all of those games over time. Um, I totally fell away from the Halo series as soon as it went to a new team, and it was Halo 4, and it was something totally different. Um, but yeah, this this just feels like a really good game, and it's like, in in a lot of ways, it feels like Destiny 1, but they just fixed a lot of the things that were wrong with it. Or not necessarily wrong, but a lot of the decisions they made that were probably the wrong decision, you mm-hmm. know? And it, it, there's no, like, one thing you can point to and be like, they fixed this, and that makes the game amazing. But it's yeah. like, all of these, like, I don't even know, hundreds and hundreds of tiny tiny quality of life improvements that add up to such a better game than the first one that's awesome I, it's, I think it's great when i honestly wish that wow would do that like i think i would go back for a wow too just because i feel like the, the hindsight is twenty twenty, and they know what mistakes they've made but they just kind of try and update 
things piecemeal as they go. I'm just kind of like, just re- re- reboot, dudes. Just yeah. fix it. Yeah, yeah, they could. But, I mean, a Destiny 2 is really fun right now. Like I said, long-term, um, if it's anything like the first game, it'll kind of become a back-burner game for me. Because, like, I will... I, I know me. I'll get to the end of the single-player content, and then I'll maybe do all of the, like, you know, multiplayer content that requires scheduling, like, once or twice, and I'll get mm-hmm. it out of my system. And then I'll wait for the expansion, and then I'll do the same type of thing. Um, But the moment-to-moment, like, first-person shooting is really, really good. It's probably one of the best in the business. So... I left Destiny 1 on my PS4 until, like, literally last week, like, when the other game came out, and every once in a while, I'd just be like, yeah, I just want to, like, play a shooter for a little bit, and that was my go-to, so Destiny 2 will find that same place for me, it'll it'll stay on my system, and I'll just kind of jump into it whenever I feel like it, but at the moment, I'm just super excited, and it's really fun. That's cool, that's cool, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed watching all my friends online be like, Destiny 2 is great, so I'm glad yeah. everybody's having a good time with it. Exactly. How about you? What have you been doing this week? Um, not a whole lot. This has been, this has been a rough week. Um, I is it had, cause it is auditions. last time. Yeah. I, I mean, I listened to your episodes cause I listened to everything on the network. If you didn't know that, like I legit <laughs> like all of our shows. Um, yeah, no, we've got some great shows right now and it's very exciting and I, I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm a little behind just because I've been, I've been listening to a lot of, um, things that I don't have to think about. So I have been listening to the lore podcast because he's so um, soothing, <laughs> and he kind of brings my blood pressure down. <laughs> um, and so I've been listening to a little bit of that here and there. Mostly I've been listening to the soundtrack of our show to make sure I know what I'm doing. And I had I had 60 kids audition for 30 parts. Wow. How which is even, awesome. I don't even know how to like start with something like that. It sounds like well, a lot of work. It is. It is. And it's not just that it's a lot of work. I mean, it was, I was, I was good enough and I saw it coming that I was like, okay, I have got to be exceedingly organized. And then I also recruited a bunch of different teachers. My mom came out and helped. And, um, and so I had a good, uh, for the callbacks, I had a good eight to 10 people helping me out, including all of my production staff that kind of helped me shuttle auditioners for wherever they needed to go but it's what people don't realize unless you're like a high school drama teacher or a high school coach or anything that requires you to make cuts to children um it's terrible i bet <laughs> it's like so like, draining terrible and uh. and so i feel a little bit better about not casting 30 kids as opposed to not casting five kids because if you don't cast five kids it's like the kids go what's wrong with the five of us and they look at the the kids around them and they're like well this is how they see me and it's a little bit easier to say well there's 30 people that didn't get into the show so you know i'm in good company yeah it's it's easier being one of many instead of single out or like a small group left out it's like um I don't know if you know this. I have a psychology minor, and okay. so I always like to whip out some psychology facts because I find it super fascinating, even though it wasn't a career path that actually had any future for me. But any, anyway, I digress. Um, it's it's worse mentally for somebody to get second place than it is to get third place. You either want to be the winner or obviously not the winner, but to get that second place trophy in anything feels horrible because mm-hmm. you were almost there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's some of that same type of thing going. Like if you almost made the cut, but not quite, that hurts a lot more than being, oh yeah, I was I was way out with this other group. That's kind of okay. Yeah, I and I'm trying to go through and get the kids that I know have been loyal and are really 
because that's the other thing you have to you have to fight with these things is you know you have seniors who've been in every show you've been you've done since they were a freshman and they come in and they have a, a, a rough day as far as auditions go and you're like what do I do with this kid I know that they're reliable I know that they're strong but their audition compared to this underclassman doesn't doesn't match up. And I, I have to go with the underclassman because the other classman's the one who brought it today. And it's just it's just horrible. <laughs> it's just a horrible, horrible thing. But once the once the show gets going, I think this week after people have had the weekend to kind of refocus and and realize that, you know, their lives are not over, um, we'll just be able to start getting excited about the show. And and so that's what I'm hoping. But oh man, Friday was rough. For the, the so it's tears. like, give it a couple of weeks, you'll be in a good spot. But right now it's it's hard. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just like and and I, I try and I try and front load it. Thirty of you are not getting parts at this show. You need to be ready for this. But I don't yeah. know that you can ever be ready for that kind of disappointment. So No, that's hard. Especially in high school. It's high school's already tough enough. Like Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I'm going around and I'm trying to, to pull back in and say, hey, I want you to do this job for me. I want you to do that job for me so we can keep you involved. And, and it's not, you know, it's something that other people aren't already doing. So it's kind of a special thing just for you, just to try and get some people feeling a little bit better and working towards a, a good common end goal. Yeah, for sure. Well, and like you said, at least you have like a, something like you latched onto lore. So you've been having something to listen to to kind of zone out a little bit. That always helps. Yeah, it really does. It really does. And then yesterday, you know, at the the debate tournament, it's it's very boring. <laughs> you sit there. <laughs> I I had the job of sorting ballots, so I would wait until a ballot was entered into the the system, and then I would go into the back room and sort a pile of them into the separate schools so that the teachers would have their feedback forms. It was mind numbing, <laughs> but it was sometimes it was kind of good to just kind of like you couldn't. It was coming at a, a regular interval, so you couldn't like focus on something so it's not like you could grade papers or listen to a podcast or or read a book i just kind of zoned for a while and it was very nice to just kind of look into the <laughs> void and go all right i'm just not gonna think i'm gonna turn off my brain until i'm needed just gonna be zen for a while nice yeah yeah cool well that's it we're gonna go to our commercial break and when we come back we are going to talk about the adventure zone because i think both you and i have wanted to unpack it for a couple weeks now <laughs> yes it's so good i'm excited i'm excited right. let's do the break yeah we'll do the break and we'll be right back i'm void and i'm beach and together we're the geek to geek podcast well we make it it is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the, the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So, join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah. And we're back. Um, I just want to remind everybody one last little uh, promo or commercial. Um, I am going to be at a 
book launch for podcasting for dummies. I believe their third edition. And they're doing a PIY, Podcast It Yourself. And that will be on October 28th in Phoenix, Arizona. I do not have a location for you yet or a time. I do know it's in the late afternoon evening, but I will let you know as we get closer. But yeah, if you are in the Phoenix area or really, really want to go to the Phoenix area on October 28th, I will be there with T. Morris. You've heard him on my show a couple of times and uh, Kevin from uh, the Two Gay Geeks. And uh, yeah, there'll be a couple of us there doing our doing our thing. So go ahead and join us and uh, learn how to podcast. That sounds really cool. You guys should do it. Podcasting is fun. Yes, I'm like it's really geared to people who are just kind of starting out because again, that's the the target audience of the of the book. But um, you know, they said, hey, we we want you to do. I'm going to do an uh, accessories thing, so I get to do fun stuff. I don't have to do the serious like hardcore. You know, you know, this is how you become pop. Like, all I have to do is like, hey, I have some fun toys that I play with when I podcast, and this is <laughs> this is stuff that I use. So, I think it'll be a fun little, um, a fun little workshop. So, very cool. All right, so we have put this off for too long. You and I are huge The Adventure Zone fans, and I think it's kind yes. of it's kind of novel that we are a podcast talking about a podcast. Um, well, it's it's like. It is legitimately at this point one of my favorite narratives ever, yes. which is crazy because it's like it is a live play D&D podcast and it shouldn't be as good as it is. Like I, I've tried to listen to so many other like Let's Plays or live plays and some of them are good. Some of them I do listen to and they're all right, but like nothing compares to the Adventure Zone. No, no, absolutely not. I've listened to a couple and it kills me because I stopped listening to them for a really long time and was like, actual plays take a really long time. It's all I end up listening to um, if that's what's on my my iPhone. And so I stopped and I can't remember the names of the ones that to go back to pick them up. I think I may remember one, but there's one that was really good and I can't find it anymore. I don't even know if it's on the interwebs anymore. But um, But even then... They just didn't have kind of the magic that the Adventure Zone had. No, and I, I think part of it is that um, Griffin, who is the DM, well, he has been the DM for this first campaign, which has been like a three-year campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about like, how they're switching it up at the end. But um, he has a story that he's trying to tell. And I think in a lot of like, if you were playing at home, it might feel like railroading. But it works so well in a podcast to have a story that has like a driving force behind it and that's going somewhere and that you're kind of being led down this narrative. It just works. Yeah, I really did. And, and, you know, he talks about in the, 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 the adventure zone zone episodes, <laughs> um, which are, they're kind of um, the talking dead. Behind the scenes. Yeah. And uh, he talks about how he really wasn't like, there were a couple times that the, the other guys just completely derailed what he was planning and he had to kind of, kind of rally and figure out how to get it not necessarily back on the exact same track, but get it to keep the narrative going in the direction he wanted it to go. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's just turned out so well, I, I guess before we get into like the bulk of it, I wanted to ask like, how did you get into it? Because I was listening to my brother, my brother and me, which is their it's, it's the three brothers, Griffin, Justin and Travis. And it's their comedy advice show, which is not really an advice show. It's just an excuse for them to do improv comedy for an hour together every week. And 
they're in like the, I want to say they're in like episode 500, 600, something like that. And I've listened to the entire backlog. So the Adventure Zone is really a spinoff of My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is called Mabim Bam for short. And um, (laughs) they, there was one, like, I, I think one of them was going out on paternity leave and they just needed to like record something ahead of time to fill in while he was gone. And that was the first episode of the Adventure Zone. And it got such a good response that it spun off into its own show, which is, you know, how it became what it is now. But that's how I found out about it. How did you find out about it? I was listening to this podcast called the Geek to Geek podcast. And this guy, oh, no, did I get Floyd, you on it? <laughs> suggested I listen to it. I think it may have been on one of your, um, like, either the year in review, like, best of episodes. Okay. And you talked about it with such, like, love and such, like, oh, my God, you have to. And I'm like, I love actual play podcasts. I've listened to a couple of of them and it's been a while so i was like i have to go and listen to this and i gotta say i almost didn't stick with it because as you have i think as the next thing to talk about they didn't take it seriously at first no not at all i mean and it, it shows like it's it's kind of how how it started versus what it ended up being and you know it legitimately was like a filler episode of their other podcast and some of the things i don't like about actual play podcasts are when it's just a bunch of guys being broy around a table making jokes and like that's all there is um and you know they're not broy type guys but it is kind of them just not taking it seriously making jokes probably making some inappropriate jokes uh, and there's a ton of mini story arcs that tie into this whole campaign the whole first arc is kind of that way until they get to the end of it. So it's one of those things, if you go back to the beginning, you legitimately have to make it through most of that first arc, which is only like five-ish episodes, maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and then they start to see like the magic that they are creating. I think they start to figure it out. So by the time you get to the first Lunar inter- Interlude, or definitely the second arc, they're like into it, and you start to see what it can become. But then by the time you're like halfway through the campaign or to the end, like the end of the campaign had me like almost crying. Oh, I was like, in tears for okay. I've got an hour and a half drive in every day at work, and I think that on the finale show, I cried for about an hour of it. Uh, it's so good. It's so good, and I mean those those damn um, void fish. Like, yes. I, I like it's like I don't even have a strong concept of what it looks like. But it, anytime something happened to one of those damn Floyd fish, I was in tears. Just got you right in the feels. Oh, right? God. Yes. Because of and I got it. Yeah. Well, we'll get to we'll get to favorites later. But um, OK, I have trouble. I have trouble recommending it to people because I have to convince them. Like, I'm not going to recommend it unless I can sit down with them and say, all right, look, you got to get through like five episodes and don't be offended by anything they say. Don't be, you know, put off by the gross jokes or whatever. Just get into it and listen to it and buy six or seven. And that's a lot to ask of some people because that's like six hours of mediocre podcasting. It is. But, you know, like I I got my wife into it and we listened to it together, like probably the second half of the whole campaign. We listened every episode together for the first time. Um, And I think I got her into it. She didn't even hear the beginning at first. She heard something in like Pedals to the Metal or like a Lunar Interlude or something. She, But she's also a My Brother, My Brother and Me fan. Mm-hmm. So that helped things, yeah. you know? She knew these people and it was just getting her head around it. So once she had heard enough, she was like, this kind of sounds interesting. I, I did the same thing. You know, you have to preface it and say, here's what you're going back to for the first story arc. 
know that it doesn't actually become this, right? It, it becomes so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you can get through four-ish, five-ish episodes, and it's not that they're bad episodes. It's just that it's more like a typical, you know, like live play D&D thing where there's nothing too special about it. Um, but it, it becomes just amazing as time goes on. Did you so, want to talk about the uh, the story arcs a little bit? Yeah, because it starts with here there be gerblins. Yeah, which is the one that we're talking about where it's, you know, it's not quite as good as it gets to be eventually. But it's it's just them feeling out their characters and like there's it's a goblin encounter in a cave and that's kind of where it starts. Humble beginnings. Yeah, and when you go back to it and think about all the all the material that they pulled from that to to you know kind of tie it all together he definitely went back and was like where can i make where can i force this to fit because that's where we get barry that's where we get clark that's where we get um magic is magic brian in that story arc yeah magic brian's at the end of that one yep yeah so um you know i think a lot of it again was retrofitted but it's some of the like i I almost want to go back and listen to that arc again just to to get the um the nostalgia and feel that oh that's that's where we um that's where we started you know yeah i've listened to the whole campaign i think three times holy crap really yeah yeah really that's impressive i like it like i really like it and especially as we were getting into the later story arcs like the stolen century and then into story and song i really wanted to get the whole context again and you know like you said it's kind of hard to remember what happened three years ago or three and a half years ago but Mm -hmm. if you just sit down and listen to it back to back it's not that long to get through it every episode's about an hour so i mean it's it's a lot of audio but if you listen to podcasts as much as i do it doesn't take that long to get through it yeah, I jumped in, I think, somewhere around Pedals to the Metal. I okay. think it was, I mean, it may have been a little bit later than that. It may have been Crystal Kingdom, but it definitely was um, a while ago. Yeah, and I mean, Pedals to the Metal is cool because it's kind of like Mad Max inspired, you know, like racing, which is interesting. Um, Crystal Kingdom was where he really starts like getting some of the the lore into the world that needs to be there so that he can build on it into mm-hmm. you know towards the finale. So some of my favorite things were actually the lunar interludes. I it, love those yes. episodes. Because like, they they gave them a chance to be silly without being what they were in episodes 1 through 5. Yes, they give it gives them a chance to be funny in character, you know, not at the expense of the story but like in the story in a way that actually makes sense. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, I don't know, there there are so many funny things in the Lunar Interludes that have me, like, legitimately laughing out loud, especially Garfield the Deals Warlock. He might be. <laughs> like, him and Ag- Angus McDonald are my two favorite characters, besides, like, you know, our, our three player characters. But those those two NPCs are just amazing. I love Ang- Angus McDonald has to be my favorite NPC as well. I mean, he's just he's just so earnest, like earnest to the to the nth degree. Um, but who's your favorite, who's your favorite PC? Oh, that's hard. That's really hard. Uh, probably Taco. Probably Taco. I really like how Justin treats Taco. And I get the sense that Justin and Griffin are really good at playing off of each other. Because Mm -hmm. I I legitimately don't think that they script anything ahead of time. They've they've said that. I believe that. But also, the way that their minds work must just kind of like work together, like their improv styles, because there are times where Justin throws a wrench into Griffin's story, but he never destroys the story. Right. 
you know, but he does things that like dramatically change what would happen or totally throw Griffin off. And I, I think that interplay between Justin and Griffin is huge. But then also just Taco as a character is interesting because he's not a typical character in any way. Yeah, no, he's not a typical character. And he's, um, he, uh, you're right. There's this weird spin that he can put on it where he can do exactly what you didn't want him to do, but still not derail the story. And that's, that's talent. And I don't know which, which direction the talent is flowing. And it may be that, yeah, it's, it's the two of them being able to kind of co-op it. Um, I have to say, I like Magnus the best. I think Travis is amazing. I kind of suspected that might be your answer. What do you like about Magnus? Um, like he just gets so into it. Like Travis is just like there is nothing there's almost no thought in Magnus. Like I think Travis does all the thinking so Magnus doesn't have to because yeah, Magnus just kind of leads with his heart and so it it's very um like he's the one who always makes me cry. Like I like Travis is the one that just will decimate me on my drive in or my drive home because he'll make a decision with Magnus that'll make me just go, Oh my God, that's like the sentimentality of that comment or that reaction just, just kills me. Just kills me. It's really, really good. No, I, I love, I loved all of their story arcs for different reasons. It's so hard to pick one. That's a favorite. I, you have it here as one of your favorites. I've got to say, I think, I think I have to agree that the 11th hour was, was my favorite arc. The 11th hour was amazing. And I mean, it's, we're talking full spoilers here, right? Yes. I think it, from this yeah. point on, so that we can start actually, cause now we're in the second half of their, of their run. Um, we we're, we're, this is a spoiler cast for a podcast, which is kind of crazy to think about, but, but that is what this is. But the 11th hour is essentially like Majora's mask taken to an extreme and put in D and D, which it's, they have one hour and then everything explodes and it resets and they die, but then they come back at the start of that hour. And so it's them doing the same loop over and over, but learning about the small town that they're in and using everything they learn to feed back into the next arc or into the next hour and then into the next hour. And I just loved the structure of it. Yeah, and he handled it really well. Uh, uh, Griffin handled it really well when he decided, "Hey, I'm just gonna, we're just gonna jump you to the to the end point of wherever you messed up, so that way we don't, you know, we, you know, it, it kept it going because something like that could get very repetitive for a podcast. You know, right. trying to do Groundhog's Day on podcast is is not something that you would necessarily think would be terribly entertaining. No, and he would, like, essentially let them do a save point whenever they wanted to. But then he would also say, hey, if you ever want to do something totally different, just let me know. Mm -hmm. So it's a good mixture of the two, especially when they go down into the mines and they there's, like, all of these traps and they just keep dying. You know, he'll just let them immediately jump back to right before they died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there was, there was a, a frustration that they kind of threw in there, and there was this urgency that a lot of the, the arcs would not necessarily have. I thought it was, I thought, I thought it was really good. Really well done. Yeah. So the 11th hour was one of my favorite two arcs. The other one is the stolen century. And I, I wanted to mention it because in other like live play podcasts I've listened to, they try to do the world building up front or they do the world building like as they go along and they'll kind of take breaks from like, you know, in media res, like they'll take a break from the action or like the, the driving story with the characters and then they'll be like, well, what do you think about the world? It could be this way. It could be that way. 
and that always really takes me out of the experience. And mm-hmm. like I, I'm thinking of um I don't know if you've ever listened to Friends at the Table, but their Yeah, their I have little little pieces. Okay, their their storytelling does this sometimes where they kind of step back in the middle of an episode and say, "What do you think this would be or how would this affect the world?" And like it just doesn't quite click with me. Like I said, it always kind of breaks me out of the immersion. Uh-huh. Whereas the with this whole campaign, they organically built up their characters and had adventures along the way. And then right before the end, they get to go back and do the Stolen Century, which is all of this backstory building in kind of an organic way. But mm-hmm. it didn't take me out of the narrative ever. It just made me more invested. Well, because they didn't do it in third person. And I think, you know, Friends at the Table kind of does it in third person a little bit. And a lot of the other ones do it. I think, is uh, Friends at the Table the one that starts off with uh, an apocalypse world based game? Yes, I think they do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think they kind of approach it with that non-narrative idea. And I think, you know, Griffin never approaches this game non-narratively. Right. The only time they ever do is when they take a break and they do a behind the scenes episode and they specifically say that up front. Yeah. Yeah. So you could, you can skip it. You can come back to it later. Um, but like they, I mean, between Griffin and Justin during the stolen century, they kind of organically develop loop as yeah. a character. Yeah. And she was almost only a concept before that point. And by the end of the stolen century arc, she's one of my favorite NPCs in the game. Yeah, she's amazing. And um, I think the only reason why I, one of, okay, so here, if, if we're going to talk about um, Stolen Century NPCs, um, oh, what's the, what's the gnome's name? The, the captain. Um, Davenport? Davenport? Davenport, Davenport. Okay, so um, when one of my big aha moments, oh my God, that's amazing, is again, this is your last point for spoilers. Um, <laughs> when, when, they are about ready to go into the stolen century and everybody's drank the void fish juice and they're getting all their memories back. And you're like, okay, which characters make up the sev- other four of the seven? Right. And then they talk about how Davenport was so, the mission was so much his identity that all he was left with after it was his name. I just died. I thought that was so brilliant. It was so heartbreaking. I, I didn't necessarily care for Davenport because I feel like he always kind of hovered in the background, but I feel like as a narrative device, like that moment was just amazing. It was. It was so good. And then you go back and re-listen to it, and you can see that Griffin is dropping a lot of breadcrumbs along the way. And it's kind of impossible to tell which of the things he later like retconned into and which things were always there, but he in aggregate he does such a good job of like tying the story together in ways that you wouldn't even notice if you hadn't re-listened to it Mm -hmm. yeah well maybe that's what i have to do maybe i have to i'm gonna load up my husband in the car and and make him listen to it we'll drive around because he likes driving around and looking at you know just the world so there you go (laughs) that's maybe that's maybe that's what we'll do because i know he's listened to two or three episodes but maybe that's what we'll because he hasn't gotten past that that hump yet to get to the to the good story stuff so maybe yeah. that's what we'll do but you're almost there if you're two or three episodes in you're getting close yeah you're getting close and then you can just you know dive into the story yeah. um so the other thing that i wanted to ask you about it is mm-hmm. like now that it's over and like the finale is done um how do you feel about what they're doing next because they basically said they're gonna take turns being like the gm and 
let other people try in other systems and other worlds and all of that kind of stuff. So it's going to feel different, but I, I think I'm excited. I think I'm excited too. I, I, I'm looking forward to a couple of these one shots that they're talking about doing because uh, I, I think it's one of those things where they're going to know when they hit their next big story. And I like the idea that they're not just saying, okay, this is going to be our next big story and then forcing it to be. Yeah, that's probably a really good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I'm excited that Griffin wants to do something with Powered by the Apocalypse. I think, you know, I'm, I'm loving that system right now. I'm, I'm really enjoying listening to like little one shot actual plays with it. And, um, and I think it's got a great setup for storytelling, which is what they do. So I'm, I'm interested to see where they land on it. The thing that makes me nervous is I don't know how good like Griffin's a really good DM. He you know? is. He's so good. And like the and other so guys I feel... aren't quite proven yet. It doesn't mean that they won't be good, but we haven't gotten enough to know that yet. Um, have you listened to the Adventure Zone Nights? I've listened to one and a half. Okay. I haven't gotten through the 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 second one, and I haven't gotten to the third one yet. So Taz Nights, if you guys don't know, is if you donate ever to the Maximum Fun Network, which is the network they're a part of, um, you get access to like their special feed where they'll do like one yearly thing. And for the Adventure Zone, they do um, a totally different setting with totally different characters, and Travis is the DM. So we've kind of gotten the smallest sample of him being the the DM or the GM. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. That's my hesitation too. But at the same time, like if it's the right GM with the right system paired together, I think it would work. Like I know Clint has talked about being one, which initially makes me hesitate with the way that he <laughs> forgets mechanics. Yes. <laughs> um, but then he also said that the one he's thinking about doing is a superhero one. And like his whole life, he's been a comic guy. So maybe it's just, you know, the right person with the right system. Well, and I think, you know, I think you're going to get a style that I, I don't know that if we're looking for this heart wrenching, oh, my God, I'm I'm into because I mean, and and people might be going, oh, my God, you you're you're talking about crying about an actual play. You have to understand that the final episode ends with them saying, damn, we just played D&D so hard we made ourselves cry. So, like, yeah. The amount of emotion that they're putting into this, it is completely reasonable for people to have emotional reactions to this show. Um, it really is. But I don't think that I'm expecting that kind of emotional reaction to Clint's game. I think I'm more expecting it to be kind of silly and goofy. Because even his sentimental moments, he'd do sentimental moments, but then he'd put the zinger at the end that would kind of just defuse everything that you just did. And so I yeah. feel like... I think I don't think we're going to get we might get a fun silly story. I don't know that we're going to get something that's going to be heart-wrenching and sentimental. Well, I think the one I'm most excited for is the one that Griffin has mentioned in passing a few times that he wants to do his own homebrew setting in mm -hmm. some kind of engine that he doesn't know yet, but he wants to base it on the Persona series. And I could see him executing on that and making it really resonate emotionally. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like he might use um monster of the week to do that which is is another powered by the apocalypse game so at least because he said he wanted to run something from monster of the week that's cool which, well like how are you feeling about other like settings and systems and stuff because i know you've been doing research because your goal here is to do an actual play at some point yes and um i i think 
I think it's important because I think all we have out there right now is Dungeons and Dragons. It's a and lot of D and D. It's a lot of D and D. And I know, like for example, my husband does not like fantasy. Like it's not his cup of tea. So finding stuff that kind of bridges those gaps. Um, but but it's hard to find good stuff out there because, as you said, a lot of it's just people growing out around a table, and it's not this collaborative storytelling that you hope it would be. Um, there are a couple out there that are are good. And I love, you know, if you ever, anybody who's out there who, who wants just kind of a good sampling, and you don't have to do it in order, you can go and pick out the systems that are in- interesting to you. But I love One Shot. Have you listened to yeah, that I, at all? One Shot is good. Yeah, that that's a really good one. Um, I stay subscribed to it, and I will usually give every system like 10 minutes of my time. I don't listen to every episode, but I kind of sample every episode. And then if I'm interested, I'll finish it. And if not, I'm like, oh, I don't think this one's quite for me. But I think you're right. The best way is to like look at the one-shot feed and just download a bunch that sound interesting to you. Yeah, and I think that's why I'm looking forward to what they're going to do with the Adventure Zone is because you're going to get a little bit of that sampling. And, you know, I enjoy their one-shots. I, I One of the things I should mention is I did actually get to see them record live at um, uh, San Diego Comic-Con. And so that was really cool because it is as... Um, kind of silly and raucous as it sounds like it is on on the cast so it it was pretty awesome i'm jealous of you i get to go see mabim bam live later this year so that'll be good but i wish that they were going to do the adventure zone (laughs) near me (laughs) somewhere that i could legitimately get to because that would be amazing well i mean they, they seem to be trying to make a nice good round tour of it so you know hopefully it'll come you know close to you guys some point yeah yeah and but like you said, there's a lot of actual plays out there. I mean, I've I've listened to a lot, and I've eventually bounced off most of them. But if you guys are interested in more, there's like Friends at the Table. I know a lot of people who love Friends at the Table. Mm-hmm. And I, I legitimately think that Austin Walker is fantastic. He's the DM for it. And like I love him on other podcasts when he's talking about other stuff. It's just something about the structure that I mentioned earlier. You know, like the way that they do world building, and it breaks up the flow of the game that's why I didn't latch onto that one. Mm-hmm. But they use a couple different engines in a couple different ways. Um, another one that I listened to for a long time was Campaign, which is some of the same people from One Shot. Have you ever listened to Campaign? Um, I haven't, but isn't that their kind of Star Wars one? Yeah, exactly. It's their Star Wars one, which is why I gave it a shot. And the Star Wars engine is kind of interesting because it doesn't, I don't know, it, it's not D&D. You know, it's something that's different at least. And you can have like mixed successes and like partial success with partial failure and stuff like that, that gets kind of messy, but in a, in a fascinating way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know other ones that friends of mine like that I just couldn't get into like, Oh, what is it? Drunks and dragons is one. Um, glass cannon podcast is another one, things like that. Like there's a ton out there. One that I did listen to for a very, very long time, I don't currently listen to it now, but I got all the way up through um, one of their later arcs, um, is I think the Critical Hits podcast. Okay. Um, it, I think, it, it I think is, there's a Critical Hit, and there's also Critical Role, but they're two different shows. Yeah, I think it's right? Critical Hits. Um, okay. Because I think there's also a Critical Hit without the S. But oh, it, man, I, it's so confusing. Yeah, it's awful. But if it's... Um, I want to say that the the gm has a little bit of an accent i think he's got a spanish name and i'm trying to remember what it is but if you're listening to that and one of them's an elf and one of them's a warrior and i forget who the third guy is but they 
the thing I love, it's classic D&D. I think it's fourth edition. And the thing I love about that show or loved about it when I was listening to it is the, the DM would take kind of classic Dungeons and Dragons settings and tropes and he would kind of reskin them to make them interesting and make sense. So when they go to, to hell at some point, I guess the difference between, uh, devils and demons in the Dungeons and Dragons universe is demons are chaotic and devils are, are lawful. And so okay. they go to, you know, the hell plane where all the devils are, and it's like a really big corporation. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so he does a really good job of painting, painting this very bureaucratic picture of, you know, this is why, you know, he's, you know, the guy's not going to try and, and convince them of anything. You know, he's not going to force the, the players into anything, but he's going to bargain with them and he's going to try and see if, uh, maybe this deal is, is a uh, one that you want to jump in on. And so it was just kind of a, a cool way of looking at this particular astral plane. It was just a big corporation. And, um, and so I really enjoyed that and I, I will keep scouring the internet for it. But if, uh, anybody out there who likes actual, actual plays knows what this one is, there was an actual play out there and I just remember that one of the characters was a female dwarf paladin. And I remember that particular GM would add these little things to battle. And I don't want to say exactly what he did because I may use it when I start my actual play. But he'd add these little <laughs> things to them that, you know, this episode would, you know, this arc, there might be a little bit of a different dynamic or a different thing that you could do that would change the way you play and it made it very interesting and they told these very good stories and so uh if anybody knows what the name of that actual play is it's really old it's probably you know a good seven to ten years ago that this thing started but if you guys can throw out some names i will look them up and tell you if it is that actual play and i will keep scouring for it because i actually think i might want to go back and listen cool yeah, that's good. Um, the only other one that I can think of that I listen to a bunch is um, Acquisitions, Inc. That's probably the thing that got me interested in D&D in the first place was the Penny Arcade guys playing uh, D&D. That was really interesting. And over the years, it's changed a bunch and it's gotten uh, sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's not. But in the end, it, I always thought it was kind of like a, an interesting place to start. And I always go back to it. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for, for kind of unpacking this a little bit. I know we didn't go into a lot of detail on on the uh, show and plot itself, so this may be not as much of a spoiler cast as I think we originally thought. I think it was more just us geeking out about how excited we are about the show, but I think that's that's kind of okay sometimes. Yeah, no, it was really fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You have any shout-outs for this week? Yeah, uh, just the network in general, because I'm really happy with like everything we have on the geek to geek podcast network now. So check out all the shows. You're already listening to Geek2Tude, obviously. You can check out the geek to geek podcast, which is me and BJ. Um, you can check out the comic box with Rob. You can check out the newest, the Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. Everybody is fantastic. They're all great. And we all cover like slightly different things with slightly different takes. So that's my main shout out. The other one is that BJ was gone this week, so I got to do a, like, I had a guest host on my podcast for the first time ever, really, and it was my wife, so I have to give a shout out to my wife, because she was awesome, and she helped fill in, and I'm really happy with how that episode turned out. That's awesome, I can't wait to listen to it. 
Very cool. My shout out is to all of the people who helped me with auditions this week. And a special shout out to, I'm sure they don't listen, but I'm going to send it out into the world anyway. Um, after the auditions and after I was feeling bad because I knew there were going to be disappointed kids, I posted something on Facebook and like my old drama teacher and my brother's old drama teacher and a bunch of people that I knew, you know, kind of inspired me to become a drama teacher all kind of weighed in on, yeah, that part of the being a drama teacher sucks. So that was just kind of a, you know, a little bit of, um, kind of the circling of the wagons and kind of a nice warm internet hug for me. So I just wanted to shout out to them for, for being there and being supportive. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I have no plan for next week. I have caught up on my currently scheduled shows. So what, now that my auditions are done, uh, my, my week this week is going to be getting us, uh, hopefully, uh, scheduled out into the new year. So next week is going to be a complete surprise to everybody involved, including all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek Network. Check out other geek to geek shows such as the geek to geek Podcast, Geek Fitness Health Hacks, The Comic Box, and Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And make sure to join our Reddit community at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash geek to geek cast you can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at epicgraze. How about you, Void? Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me, the best place is probably at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. Um, and then you can find the geek to geek podcast collectively, me and BJ together, at geek to geek cast on Twitter also. Yes. And we also just started a Slack community, but I don't have that in my notes yet. And so I can't direct you guys there. But um, if you contact me on Twitter, um, I can probably send you the link. Yes, that's probably the best way to do it. And I think that's it. Thanks, Void, for coming in and geeking out with me. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having me. And for all of you listening out there, remember this week, keep it geek. That theme song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolfpack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brennan Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always... Geek out. So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration, because that's what we do. Well, the, wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to The Shared Desk. You got our Loot Crate looky-loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing, usually it's pretty nerdy. Nerd! And then there are the drop-ins. Has the whole world gone crazy? Yes. There are drop-ins. 
And we love having guests on the show. It's the shared desk after all. And if it's Katie or Lauren, you get some lovely singing as well. So find The Shared Desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The Shared Desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different different points points of of view. view.